I'm Natalie Heacock. And I'm Chelsea Brown. And this is Lumber Slingers. Each podcast, we will be bringing you relevant and useful industry information, including interviews with top lumber professionals and discussion of current events in the industry. Whether it be lumber grading, industry and market trends, or who's who in lumber, we hope to extend your current tally on industry knowledge. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Lumber Slingers Terms of the Trade Part Two. Um, hi, Chelsea. Hi, girlfriend. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really tired. <laughs> <laughs> it's Sunday morning and it's time for a mimosa. Good. Well, this terms of the trade's going to pep you right up. <laughs> Actually, hold on. I have a mimosa. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, I feel bad because you're not drinking right now, but. Just go ahead. not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome Terry Haddix back to go through terms of the trade with us again. Hi, Good morning, Terry. ladies. Always a pleasure. Hey, Terry, is there Bailey's in that coffee? Uh, only because I didn't think of it until just now. No. <laughs> <laughs> Today, we're going to do a sales terms of the trade. So... We're going to dive in lots of different terms today. And I think it's really neat because we're coming from three different perspectives today. Accounting finance for me, obviously Chelsea for sales and Terry for sales support. So we all see these terms all the time and probably have a little bit different take on when we use them and how, I guess. But yeah, should we get started? Yeah, let's get rolling. All righty. So Terry. Yes, ma'am. Being in sales, you know, you quote FOB mill, FOB delivered, FOB plus freight. Can you kind of go through what can we start on the FOB and what FOB stands for? And then maybe what we would see when we're invoicing or selling to the customer. And we'll break it down as the kids say. So free on board is what FOB stands for. I tend to think of it as freight on board. It's so weird. I was literally Googling, where does, why is it free on board? I think the free comes along with like, like we're not going to charge you. So it's free, right? Because according to the book, it says the point to which the seller will deliver the goods without charge to the buyer. So if it's FOB delivered, that means that I, as the seller will arrange and pay for the freight to whatever destination the customer wants. And usually that, well, I think all the time that freight charge is included in the sell price, right? But then if it's FOB mill, then that means that the customer is responsible for arranging and paying for the freight. And then I don't know why this one even exists. It's FOB mill plus freight. So that means that I, as the seller, will arrange and pay for the freight, but I'm going to charge you the freight as a separate line item on the invoice. So a lot of times, the reason why, a reason why uh, someone would sell FOB mill plus freight would be, say, if the um, the freight market is volatile at that particular point, or if you know they're uncertain at the point of sale what that rate is going to be. And we've all seen drastic changes and increases in the cost of freight over the last year and a half. So I think that's a perfectly reasonable way to go. It is worth mentioning, though, which I guess this will come up when we start talking about payment terms, but it's worth mentioning that if you're selling FOB delivered and you're offering a discount to your customer, the freight does not get discounted. 
So our system does some fancy math in the background and adjusts the discount allowed to the customer to take the freight out of the sell price. Right. Because we don't get discounted freight. We know that Mm -mm. much. Mm -mm. We're not passing on a discount we don't get. I tried to Google it, but I can't figure out why it says free. All I know is that it was that term was invented in 1936. Who? And then, and then obviously we have delivered. Right. So that means I, as the seller, I'm going to pay all the associated freight and it's built into the cost of the wood. So the customer doesn't even necessarily know unless they do the math backwards to figure it out when they're looking at their discount. So Chelsea, from a sales perspective, is it, is your customer telling you what they want? Do you tell them what you're going to do? How does that piece work? Um, I typically know it's case by case, depending on what my customer needs. There are certain customers who always have trucks in the area. So I'll, I'll quote it FOB mill and they take care of the freight or I quote it delivered because I know they never have trucks out this way. So, and we have trucks headed their way. There's also certain cases where the customer, I quote it FOB mill because I don't, usually go into the area that they're in, but I know that they're going to need a truck. And in that case, we usually do FOB mail plus freight where I do like a flat freight charge depending on what that lane costs. And I don't work the freight into the delivered cost because if it's an area that I don't go to very often, I might not accurately be able to quote what the freight is into my cost of wood. So then I just do a flat freight charge so that I know that we're giving them the fairest rate possible. Makes sense. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And during, you know, May when there was 97 <laughs> loads per one truck available, yeah, uh, really you had to cover your butt on that because uh, for a while there, I was losing margin on when I had quoted orders and I hadn't taken into account the freight when it spiked in May. I mean, and it spiked within a week when rates were up a couple thousand dollars, you know, I had to eat that. So that was a good lesson learned being in sales of just being really in tune with the market and what's happening, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what freight rates That's are. Crazy. You might it's know crazy. one week what it is and the next week it's a thousand dollars more. Right. And it's just crazy. as important for your staff to be aware of fluctuations in, in the freight market as well. I mean, it's not so important for me to understand what's going on in lumber in particular, but as it relates to how I'm spending money on your file, I need to know handling charges. I need to know freight charges. I need to know warehousing. I need to know you know, stuffing, all this other stuff, because it's my job to inform you so you can charge your customer accordingly. Because as a team, if you lose money, we all lose money, right? So that's my two cents worth. It's true. It's just crazy how fast it it turned in May. Was that May you said? Yeah, it was May. I just checked last week. They said it was down to 65 loads per one truck. So there's improvement and it always depends on seasonally what's going on. You know, there's when it's apple season, they use freight flatbeds. And so all of a sudden there's not as many trucks available for lumber and different commodities pay different dollar amounts to move freight. And especially if it's a seasonal item, they pay top dollar. So, you know, there's a lot of things that go into why freight rates spike that way, but I guess that's on a different episode. You know, I'm just now looking it up. And it's significantly improved. It's it's 18 plus loads to truck right now. Wow. Yeah, it's significantly better. And that's that's the high end. That's just, that's in Oregon. I mean, depending wow. on where you are in the nation, in Wisconsin, it's like 8.3. That's cool that they have those statistics. You can just pop in there. 
Yeah, you can it's really bands and reefers too. It's kind of cool if you're a data geek. <laughs> so moving on, this term I feel like has been everywhere since March of last year. Mm-hmm. Subject to prior. SPS. Well, we always usually quote subject to prior sale because with inventory, especially right now, um, and I'll let Terry give the exact definition. Uh, you want to cover your butt. If you quote something and somebody sends you a PO in two days for it and you didn't put subject to prior sale, then they can hold you liable for covering what you quoted. So you put that baby everywhere. You mm-hmm. say delivered subject to prior. Yep. Yep. So the, the official definition is a notation seen on offering lists or pricing quotes indicating that any of the items offered may be sold prior to the list being received by other potential buyers and thus may not be available. It's a very fancy way of saying, send me your PO now, because if you don't, I'm going to sell it to somebody else. And that happens a lot. First come, first serve. Yep. Yep. It's kind of crazy that you have to say that. You know, I feel like one would assume. You can't assume anything, Natalie. Like, well, I'm not going to walk into Nordstrom. They don't have subject to prior listed out there. <laughs> I'm going to sign when I walk in. But we're not spending $100,000 at, <laughs> well, we'd like to be, but. We're picking our limber off the shelf. I mean, That's if, you true. Could, if you could see it and say, I want that board right there, subject to prior sale is somewhat irrelevant. But if it's all sight unseen and it's just on paper and you are, you as a seller it's, un- it's understood that you're offering this out to more than just one person. You absolutely need to make sure that everybody understands I'm farming this out. I'm not waiting on you. Things are moving too quick. Come on, mm-hmm. get it together. Let's move. Quick. Move it or lose it. Move it or lose it. That's what we should put really at the bottom of our right. subject <laughs> to prior, move it or lose it. Yeah. <laughs> MOL. It'll be in the next terms of the trade. <laughs> I'm writing that down right now. And then, go ahead. Have you had any experience like that, Chelsea? Where you're like, well, sorry, she gone. It happens all the time, Nat. Yeah. Especially right now, anything in six inch, you know, you have a clear C and better fur or A and better cedar or even naughty, you know, especially in six inch. Here's what I have right now. And I might not have it in an hour. And by the way, it might already be sold if you send me a PO and I write it up. And then all of a sudden that inventory is gone. We've all sold things at the exact same time mm-hmm. and have to battle over them down to the minute of, oh, got it yeah. first. So <laughs> crazy. That's the, yeah. That's what you find in lumber track. All right. When did this order get put in? And what time did mine get put in? And what time was my email? Uh-huh. Three or <laughs> okay. three or four times a week. I'll get asked to make make a shipping, you know, make a bill of lading. Well, that unit's gone. It was put on this order on this day at this minute. And I received your email two minutes later. Yep. Sorry. Yep. Yeah. It's a wild west out there. The wild it west. It is tough market. Um, and then I know I'm not going in order, Terry, but yeah. I think that this a great kind of a segue would be to do the price time of shipment really okay. quick because that is something that also is very common right now in quoting lumber, seeing lumber quotes is price time of shipment. Can you explain what that means? Yeah, it's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. It means I'm going we've agreed, you and I as a buyer and a seller, we've agreed that this is a good order. I've got your PO, I've committed to selling you this wood. But I can't tell you what your cost is going to be until the order is ready to ship. 
again, because maybe the market is volatile or you're, you've sold it delivered and there's been a massive spike or you're anticipating changes in the freight rate, that kind of thing. It just gives the seller some wiggle room to kind of figure out what's fair in that moment versus what was fair when you sold the wood. Right. And some of these products that have been more volatile on the market, that could be, it could also work in the favor of the buyer. Sure. You know, okay, prices dipped this week, a couple hundred bucks. So now, you know, instead of locking in at $200 higher per thousand, now I'm mm-hmm. actually, this was working in my favor. So it can work both ways. Um, in my experience over the last couple of months, I give them an idea of today's pricing, wh- what my replacement costs are. And then I, you know, I say, this is what it's been going up every week, 50 to a hundred dollars. And then by the time that we get the order ready, we'll price it that week at market pricing. And usually it's been more, <laughs> but, yeah. but not too terribly based off of the expectation I set. You just don't know in this market and with supply exactly right. what's going to happen. Right. I've got to say that I see PTS less often in the market that we're in, that I've been in, in the last 10 years, um, because it's fairly specialized. But when I was more involved with commodity type lumber, PTS was really common uh, because when you look at, you know, random lengths or those other industry rags that, that publish um, pricing trends, they, you know, they're up and down all the time, whether the market's volatile or not, there's always a little change here or there. Um, so PTS is very, very common in, in commodity items, more so than in what we do here, um, which is fairly specialized and somewhat more static until, you know, recently when we've never I just seen said, it just went out the door. Yeah. Well, the whole 14 years I've worked here, I've never seen PTS. I didn't even know how to do it. I was like, you just tell them I'll price it later. Like this is a <laughs> quote, you know, but it seems gutsy, but it works. Crazy. The market. I feel like the amount of times I've said the market or crazy in the last, I don't know, year. Volatile, out of control. Yeah. Unknown. unknown. Yeah. Did you just say unknown? I did. Wow. I know. Yes. <laughs> connected on a Sunday morning level. <sighs> yeah. Nice. All right. And then this is one I see sometimes, especially in sales. I started when I, I didn't know what this meant. So in PS, you will see sometimes, um, especially in Doug for uh, no prior selection. Can you explain what that means? You know, I'd really rather let you explain that. I mean, I understand what it means, but I've never used the terminology myself as it relates to writing a sale. Okay. I mean, basically it means this is your grade and it's going to fit within the rules and we're not going to, we're not going to cherry pick basically. Right. That's exactly what it means. Like if you see a, especially if you see like a timber, you have like the, Oh, structure, like select structural grade. So some people will request hundred percent select struct, which is a timber that has been graded. That is a higher grade than the number one and better structural so it's going to all be used for structurals. Why people usually get that? Because it's like every piece in this is going to be a structurally used piece. So a lot of mills now won't even do, they do no prior selection. They won't pull for select struck and put it all in one pack because there's just not enough of it. It's like maybe you get whatever, 80%, 90% mm-hmm. and or 50%, depending on what mill you're using. But no prior selection is pretty common. I don't see a whole lot of uh, cherry pick offerings. 
Yeah, I don't I don't come across that very often, to be honest. So then you just have to not use the other percentage. It's just end of that. No, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, and sometimes that's what you get when you're buying lumber. You know, we don't have all perfectly non-defect wood, right? We buy what's pulled to be clear and pristine and beautiful, but there's always an allowance for some type of defect that's going to happen. Wood is natural. Wood is, I mean, Jack Alley always says, if you got a problem with with wood, talk to God. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's going on the bottom of the sales acknowledgement too. Yeah. Basically, the, the idea of no prior selection, correct me if I'm wrong, this is how I understand it is, like I wrote in, in the definition I sent you guys, if you're selling a standard and better, so that means that the bulk of the pile of wood you just bought fits within the standard grades, but you can expect a percentage to be the end better. Yes. You don't have to include any and better, but you can as a mill. So you're basically saying as a, as a seller, the lowest grade that I'm all be selling you or putting in this pile of wood is the standard. If you, if you ask a particular manufacturer, they probably have sort of a, a baseline of how much, you know, what percentage of the end better you're going to include in your grades. Um, but then there are also people who do what is referred to as, as pushing the grade, which is like, if, if it's a standard and better, you're just going to get the standard and we might add a little bit less, but we're not going to say it out loud, right? That kind of thing. So I suppose it's important to to keep in mind that things like no prior selection and the grades are a little subject to who it is that's doing the manufacturing. I agree with that. I think that's another reason why if, if you are in sales, it's so important to be it present and showing up and looking, inspecting yourself before you make a big purchase, because you'll know what to expect. Reputation will always follow certain mills or um, producers that you buy from. And so uh, if you get burned once, it's very likely that you will not be trusting that mill again on, on the grading. So it doesn't happen very much in my experience, but we do have a couple, you know, a couple of instances where that happens. If you're not looking at the wood and then it's too late by the time it gets to the customer. Um, And then you have a big mess to deal with. So being present and visiting, you know, quarterly even is important because wood changes and what they're, the logs they're bringing in changes. Maybe they're getting it from a different area. So there's just a lot of variables happening when you're buying lumber and, and uh, hopefully the mill is setting an accurate expectation of what you're buying and you're passing that same expectation to your customer. It's very important. So, Switching gears a little bit, moving over to credit terms, sales terms, invoicing terms, mm-hmm. my neck of the woods, if you will. I was thinking, you know, we were going to start with some of the easy terms, but also something I say a lot, which maybe some people don't know is, are we giving them terms? So mm-hmm. just terms in general in that type of context means, are we giving them credit? So yeah. You actually want credit on this customer. You think they're you think they're credit worthy, and then if that's the case, then we decide what kind of terms. I mean, we have some other things we do. We don't just pick a number out of a hat. But. <laughs> I so, like this uh, company name. I think we'll give them fifty thousand dollars credit. <laughs> they were really nice on the phone, so they definitely deserve a hundred thousand. That's a great website. I'm in a very good mood. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the first. And most common for us, and I think most people, is 
1%, 10, net 11. Take it away, Terry. Okay. Um, again, a lot of these things are pretty pretty self-explanatory unless they're brand new to you. So basically 1%, 10, net 11, very, very common terms in the lumber industry. It means that if you pay your invoice within 10 days, I'm going to allow you to discount the overall dollar amount of your invoice by 1%. But if you pay after that, hence the 11, then you owe me the entire invoice. And I think it's interesting. I mean, I know we're, at least our company is switching away from checks, but back when we were only on checks, all you have to do is get that check date by the 10th. So right. or postmarked, even if, even, yeah, or right? postmarked by the 10th. Yeah. Depending. Some people are strict and some aren't as strict, but the other thing I think is really interesting is 1%, 10 net 11 is the basic, but I, we literally do everything. Not as far as discount. So 1% is the biggest discount that we'll give on that, those types of terms, but we'll do, if it's a great customer and they, you know, need something, we'll do 1%, 15, maybe sometimes. I mean, that's like our top customers. So don't want to confuse anyone. I don't want anyone calling on Monday. Right. <laughs> there are, you're right though. There are special circumstances where, you know, I don't know, maybe we overship, for example, for whatever reason. And it's, you know, two or three times more than what the customer would normally take on an order. So maybe we tell them we break it out. So you pay one third um, within your 10 days, you pay the balance of it within 45, or maybe we give you 1% net 30 to pay the mm-hmm. whole thing. And it is, it's definitely case by case, but the 1% 10 net 11 is very standard. There have been years past where I've seen people negotiate for one and a half or two, wow. but never more than two. And I haven't seen two in, well, not the whole time I've been, I've been here. So, and I have common. seen half now, half a percent. Oh, mm-hmm. and we've had, we had one person who pulled our discount altogether, not because of us or our credit worthiness, but they pulled their discounts for everyone. Like that's it. No, we're not doing discounts anymore. Interesting. You want the wood, you get, this is what you got to pay, which is no great. incentive to pay early. None. I'll just be taking my time then baby. Yeah. It's interesting how that discount has, has turned into the major incentive to pay on time, whatever on time happens to be or early or within a timely manner. Let's just say Chelsea just said, you know, you're not going to give me when I'm 1%. I guess I'm okay. If you want to sign up and be my bank, be my bank. Yeah. And it adds up fast. I mean, when we're talking about the dollars of lumber, it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Many, many times support staff have been called on the carpet for missing discounts. It's true. Oh yeah. We've put in some pretty good processes in place to like really prevent missing discounts. I would say much improved. Sure. It still happens though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, times I, when people have been let go and found invoices in their desk that haven't been <laughs> <yeah>. made. <laughs> Another thing that terms come in handy for, like you kind of touched on Terry is negotiating with the customer. For example, I had, I remember a couple years ago, I had some cedar that I sent to a customer that the moisture content was still too high when they got it. And uh, it had been kiln dried, but you know, occasionally there's some really wet, there are wet pieces of wood within a unit that, you know, the moisture content can still be, even if it was kiln dried, it can still be a lot higher than what we kiln dried it to. So he needed drier wood. He needed it quick. So I said, I actually had something on the ground I could send to him that was kiln dried in a different batch. And so I said, look, I'll send this to you. This is the price. And 
then on that wood, I will give you 30 days. You put it on sticks and I'll give you 30 day terms on that invoice to pay. And then that way it was a win-win for everybody. You know, we still, we didn't have a claim where we had to do a refund or anything like that. It was, uh, they still got the product. They still paid the value of the wood. And then they were able to use the other wood a couple months down the road. So there's also a lot of room within terms to make win-win situations for you and your customer. Good point. Good point. So I feel like we kind of covered net 30, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. We don't need to beat a dead horse here. So my my two favorite terms, CIA and COD. Terry? <laughs> uh, ca- ca- cash in advance or cash on delivery. No terms, no delay. You want your wood. You need to either pay before you pick it up or you need to pay when you pick it up. That's the difference between cash in advance and cash on delivery. It's just like uh, cash on delivery is like going to the rack. You know, you want it now? Here's my payment. Cash in advance is, uh, well, it's just cash in advance. I can't come up with some great analogy. It is Sunday morning, but. You You pay Nordstrom's before they send you your goods. Oh, it's like buying from Amazon. Like we're all doing these days, right? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And we don't do that very often. That's like, you know, a new company who maybe doesn't have a bunch of credit history, and we need to do, you know, multiple transactions with them before we feel comfortable extending credit or some little like guy, a small person. Yeah. yeah. We don't really. In my experience, all those, all those cash in advance guys have always been onesie twosie orders. They're not coming for wood every month, maybe right. once a year, once every other year, you know? Yeah. Yeah. If you're on cash, if that's your term, those are your terms. That means you buy what maybe once or twice a year, but it, yeah, or you're on it for a couple of months. You're buying consistently, and then we'll give you credit, depending. Or you had decent terms for a while, and then your average days to pay. That's a good term we didn't talk about either. Average days to pay gets really, really drawn out and is way outside of the scope. And you know, an updated credit report says you are a high risk. So then we're going to adjust your your terms down to something like COD or cash mm-hmm. in advance um, because we have to save our bacon or cover our bacon as well. That's, that's happened. Some of my customers. Actually. <laughs> right. Cause after 90 days, it's on us. There's no insurance on it. So right, Natalie, 60, or is it 60? Oh. 60 days <laughs> for our, for our insurance. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. average days, like Terry said, is really something that in the, accounting finance department, we look at a lot because it's really helpful metric to know, you know, okay, they're paying, they're paying within 10 days, fantastic A plus customer, or they're paying 49 days, don't like it, feel a little bit wary about it. So it's a nice little metric that our system calculates for us. We don't have to do it ourselves. You can just pop right in there and see it. It's a handy tool from a sales perspective too, if they're an existing customer. Right. And so suddenly they want to buy a hundred thousand dollars worth of wood when their average order is 25 or something smaller than that. It kind of gives you a feel of, you know, how much more legwork you need to do. You know, obviously if they're an average like 25 or $30,000 order customer, if they give you a six digit order, you're going to turn around and talk to your finance people before you even take an order of that size. But there, there are, like Natalie said, there are metrics you can look at in the system that, that will kind of give you like just a little preliminary info to turn your wheels in the right direction. Yes. Right. All right. Moving right along. I think we only have a couple left to cover here. Um, 
So count, that's something, you know, you quote on a specific count, you invoice on account. Uh, what's account, Terry? Well, this leads into a discussion about net versus nominal, right? Because um, net is the actual physical size of the piece of the wood and nominal is the count, what we call it. Like a two by four is not really two inches by four inches. It's inch and a half by three and a half. So you could make an agreement with your customer to sell them on the nominal or the net, or say, for example, you sell a piece of eight quarter, but you have seven quarter on hand that's thick enough to meet the minimum requirement of the customer purchasing the eight quarter. Well, then you can sell that on an eight quarter count, or you can sell the eight quarter on a seven quarter count. It just means you're adjusting the board footage based on a particular size of a piece of wood. You can call it whatever you want to. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That first nominal, I think, is the most mind-blowing thing when you first get into the industry. Everyone knows, well, most people know what a two by four is, right? And then when you actually get into the industry, you're like, wait, what? Yeah. You know, there was a lawsuit several years ago, I want to say, where somebody who didn't understand net versus nominal sued, I think it was Home Depot, a big store probably cut out the fact that I said Home Depot, but a big box store or a big, uh, big home center store was sued because the guy bought, say it was a four by four and he got it home and it was a three and a half by three and a half. And he was upset because he didn't understand what he was buying. So I guess that, that means that it behooves you as a consumer at all levels to understand what you're buying for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll have customers that ask for say like a eight by eight, they need net eight by eight S for us. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. Well you need net that I'm going to take that from a 10 by 10 and I'm probably going to bill you on a 10 by 10 count to get to your eight by eight S for S for right. Cause that's the amount of fiber you have to go through to get yes. to eight inches by eight inches. Yeah. Yes. That comes up a lot in flooring too, because right. you're selling based on the net width of the face. So like a one by four piece of flooring could be maybe a three and an eighth inch face or a three and a quarter three and a quarter. inch face. So a, a lot of times I'll hear, you know, what is the net size of your one by four flooring? What is the net size of your one by six flooring? Because it could be different and that affects the square footage price. So again, awareness is key based on what you want to buy versus what your supplier makes or can make for you. Because if you just call me up and say you want a piece of one by four flooring and you don't tell me what you want, I will ship you what I have. Yes. Whether it's right or not. Right. And then we go back to that whole claim scenario and we're negotiating <laughs> terms and, right. you know, all that stuff. Yeah. And our standard one by four is one by three and an eighth for one by four flooring and same for one by six, one by five and an eighth. But right. there are customers who want to buy, we sell a lot of one by three and a quarter flooring. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's even more popular and less available because um, that's what people want. So anyway, that's right. a whole well, different yeah, there's, conversation. There's a difference between like how you're going to use the wood too. So a three and a quarter is a, a three and a quarter, a two and a quarter, a, a quarter inch net face is more common in a like an interior application. And in my experience, the eighth inch sizes are more common in an exterior application. Could go either way. It doesn't really make any difference what you do with it. But again, awareness, what are you buying? What do you use it for? Yeah, just know you're net and nominal, bro. Yep. 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 <laughs> so uh, count can also be considered relevant to the length. So you can adjust your lengths as well. You know, say the customer wants all 10 foot, but you only have 12 foot. Well, then you can, you can adjust the count of your length 
And I hear that mostly referred to as pencil trimming. So if you just think about like, you're just writing down a different length, using your pencil, writing down a different length. That's all it really is. You know how hard it is to explain pencil trimming to auditors? I'm sure. It is the (laughs) hardest thing. Mm -hmm. It's a discount, man. It's just a discount. But it says, (laughs) I know what it says. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's it's a handy little thing to be able to do when it comes to like a specified tally, for sure. Well, because you know your guy on the other end only needs eight foot, but all you have are, like I said, 10 or 12 or something like that. Oh, another another concept is molts or multiples of. Okay, so if somebody wants multiples of four foot, that means you can sell them eights, you can sell them 16s, you can sell them 20s, because then they're going to cut them back to whatever that multiple of four foot is that they need. Right. That doesn't come up a lot either, but it has. Well, sometimes I will get, I get really big inquiries for four foot. I just recently got one and it's like, well, I'll cover it. I could probably cover it as four foot or molts. Mm-hmm. We don't really have a lot of four foot laying around, but maybe right. we have eight foot or 12 foot or so. Yeah. And then what about um, ELO and what's the other one? O&E. O&E. Yeah, extra virgin olive oil. Yeah. <laughs> Super close. Extra Super close. love only. Yes. ELO is even lengths only. And E&O or O&E, I guess, is the right direction is odds and evens. If you're selling to maybe a distributor and they're I filling didn't know racks. That. Yeah. I um, always thought olive oil whenever I saw those terms. Yeah. <laughs> you're well, so now Italian. you know. Now you know. <laughs> it, it, a lot of... Uh, a lot of like design specs and things like that don't necessarily include the usage of a lot of odd lengths. So if I, as a distributor, sell to a lot of contractors, it really just makes more sense for me to, to stock even lengths only. So I'm going to fill my racks with 8, 10, 12 and up. I don't need an 8, a 9, a 10, 11, whatever. Right. That's what that means. Awesome. We yeah. had some good terms today, you guys. I'm just... Yeah, I'm enthralled right ground. now. A lot of Terry, ground. is there anything else that you had, um, like a ter- sales term you wanted to bring up? I don't I want to miss anything if you had anything else. Um, I believe we were going to talk about SIF. Oh, CIF. Export freight. Yes. So it's cargo, insurance, and freight. Similar to free on board, it's an illustration of what I as the seller am willing to pay for. So if my terms to you are SIF, that means that um, I am providing to you the cargo, the insurance, and the freight rate. So I'm covering all of that for you. And it's up to me to figure out how I'm going to account for that in, you know, like the behind the scenes paperwork. Hopefully it's all uh, it's all accounted for in that delivered price. Because that's usually how that goes. It's SIF and it's delivered to the port or to, to door for example. Do we do door to door a lot for export? For export? No, we don't do a lot. We have done some, I believe, but it's a lot more, as you can imagine, it's a lot more involved and we have to rely pretty heavily on the, the brokers that we use or the freight forwarders that we use because they're the ones that have to make the arrangements on the other end. So they have to have a contact who has a contact with say a drayage company that can take a container from the port and go over the road to someone's actual facility. Terry, what is drayage? Oh, drayage. 
Drayage is a, a drayman or a dray company is the guy who goes to the port and picks up your container either for intermodal or for export shipment. Intermodal being a container that goes both over the road and on the rail within the, the transit from point A to point B. So the drayman is the guy that goes and picks up the container, takes it to the stuffing facility, and then takes it back to wherever it needs to be. It may be that he's picking up a container that's already on a chassis, which is super easy. You just hook it up and roll. Or he has his own empty chassis and the port gets one of those fancy cranes, picks it up, sets it on there, secures it, and then he takes it off to the loading facility. And I don't have to worry about knowing a drayman because I work with an intermodal broker or a freight forwarder. And I just say, I need a container at this facility to be loaded on this day. And somebody else manages it for me. I take care of that. Yep. Well, guys, my mimosas pretty empty so does, <laughs> is that like our timer on the show is that's that what our that timer means? i think it might that's be that it's, means. it's a real indicator <laughs> <laughs> terry you are a wealth of info and thank you so much for joining us on your sunday morning absolutely. we really appreciate it absolutely the people appreciate it the people, the people. love terry the people thank you terry <laughs> you are Thanks, so welcome <laughs>